as always, that you just prepare your hearts before the Lord as we gather this evening and recognize Ash Wednesday and the beginning of Lent. So let's read from Psalm chapter 32, beginning with verse 1. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful people pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place, and you will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and brittle or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. Would you bow your heads and pray with me this evening? Merciful Lord, we come to you tonight very aware of our humanity. Lord, we are frail beings and have been witness to our frailty and sickness in sin and in death. Lord, remind us once again that we are indeed dependent upon you that you alone are our stronghold, that you alone are our hope. Lord, I pray that you would be present in our confession this evening. Lord, be present in our singing. Be present in our prayers. Be present in the midst of our grief at our own mortality and the mortality of those around us. May your Holy Spirit be felt in ways beyond our understanding as we humbly come before you and we ask for your grace once again. And everyone said together, amen and amen. Well, tonight I would like us to read from Jonah chapter 3. This will be our Old Testament reading for this evening. I'm going to read Jonah chapter 3 beginning with verse 1 to chapter 4, stopping at verse 1. The word of the Lord says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going on a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. 
By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion Turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and he did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong and he became angry. If you were to read on in the story, you would see just how Jonah's anger played out, and I'm sure you are familiar with that story. In this text, though, we see that God, through Jonah's message, has pierced the hearts of the people of Nineveh. Much to Jonah's surprise, and I might say his demise, a fast was proclaimed, and the whole city, we read, takes on this posture of repentance along with fasting and the wearing of sackcloth and sitting in ashes. You see, the wearing of sackcloth and ashes, this was a sign of mourning. This could be from something deeply personal that an individual was experiencing, or it could be something that affected an entire nation. And in this case, it was both. The Ninevites were deeply remorseful of their sin as a nation, as a people, and they were repentant. And the sackcloth and ashes were physical signs of this repentance and remorse. And that brings us to the meaning or significance of Ash Wednesday. You might ask, why Ash Wednesday? What is so important about Ash Wednesday? Why ought we recognize Ash Wednesday? You see, Ash Wednesday is a day of recognizing and realizing our mortality, our sin, but most importantly, our desperate need for Jesus. Ash Wednesday is the start of the season of Lent, which, as you likely know, is a season of fasting, praying, and a season acknowledging our deep need for Jesus to be our breath, our hope, our life, and our redemption. And, and though we won't be doing this tonight, you've likely seen the imposition of ashes um, being placed on a forehead in the shape of a cross. This is something you've likely seen. And, and, and we won't be participating in this tonight, but, but I want to explain to you that while this might seem odd or while you may have questioned why people partake in this and, and why is that important, why is that significant, well, those ashes are a physical reminder for us. That from, as scripture says, from dust we come, and to dust we shall return. It's a reminder of our frailty, of our mortality. It's a profound reminder, again, of our need for Jesus and the significance of the cross. There are many lessons that we can gain from the book of Jonah. We, we don't have time to go into all that tonight. There's a lot there that we could unpack. But tonight, I just want to invite you, take a cue from the Ninevites. Take this posture as we contemplate the call to recognize our sin, the call to repent and turn from it, fixing our eyes on God's grace, forgiveness, and salvation that is found in King Jesus. During the season of Lent, 
this journey that we are about to embark upon. We remember Jesus' 40-day fast in the wilderness. And I want to let you know tonight that you and I are invited onto this journey. We are invited onto this journey into the wilderness for 40 days. Now, I just want to confess what you might be thinking, that sometimes this is challenging. Uh, This is certainly challenging as we don't delight being in the wilderness. I don't know about you, but it's hard being in the wilderness, let alone entering into the wilderness on purpose. Who does that? Who enters into the wilderness on purpose? And a fair question that we may have is, why is recognizing the season of Lent important? Why should I participate in this sacred season? Well, first, I would just encourage you that the purpose of Lent um, and the purpose of a fast is not for the sake of of punishment. I I think back on when I worked with um, a young man many years ago at at a doctor's office in Little Rock, and and he was a practicing Catholic, and and as we approached the season of Lent, he began to, to share with us what he was thinking of giving up for the season of Lent. And just the way that he shared about it, he was kind of like agonizing over it, and he was going back and forth, and he just didn't seem very excited about it. And so I kind of thought inwardly, I was too afraid to say anything out loud, but I thought inwardly, Why does this seem like such a difficult thing? Why does this seem more like a punishment? Why is he doing this to himself? He's agonizing over this. I was young. I didn't understand much about the season of Lent, but as I began to embrace the practices of Lent years later, I learned that this giving something up for 40 days shouldn't feel like a punishment. We shouldn't be choosing something to give up for 40 days in in order to punish ourselves because we're so bad and we're so wretched, but instead it's a response. It's a response to the sacred invitation of, of leaving something behind for a short time to receive more of Christ. Jesus fills those spaces that we're giving up in beautiful and sacred ways. It's not about punishment. It's about being present before the Lord, ready to receive renewal and restoration. And I don't know about you, but I am in desperate need of renewal and restoration. I think we as a people, as a church, as the global church, are in desperate need of renewal and restoration I like how Dr. Jesse Middendorf says, the renewing of our minds is a continual necessity and the work of the Spirit needs to be given room in our lives. Would you consider giving the Spirit room in your life? Would you consider taking on this posture of of perhaps giving something up or putting something aside for the next 40 days in order to make room for renewal and restoration in your life. Let us consider how we can allow more room for the Spirit to move in our lives this season. I would also add just really quickly when, when asking why Ash Wednesday, why Lent, why is this all important? I would, I would add that, you know, we've been talking a lot about the early church on Sundays in our series Community, and we've been looking at the early church in the book of Acts. Well, I was really enlightened when I learned that, that Lenten practices likely existed at the time of the early church. That the early church, there's evidence that, that, that we believe that they embraced these practices. They embraced this posture of preparation leading up to the celebration 
function of the resurrection. The early church, I learned, believed that our lives ought to be built around the story of Jesus. And instead, we build our lives around just about anything and everything else, don't we? I simply challenge you to prayerfully consider what this looks like for you over the next 40 days. Invite the Lord to share with you tonight what that ought to look like for you over the next 40 days. I invite you into this posture of self-examination, self-denial, prayer, and perhaps even fasting. I invite you to consider how might the Lord be challenging you to make more room for him. And so tonight we're going to move into a time of worship and song, and and we're going to sing and pray these songs. And as we do, I just invite you to reflect on your need of our Savior. Stand and sing with us. And when 
Amen. You may be seated. Well, I would like to turn our attention now to a New Testament reading found in the Gospel of Luke. And I'm going to read as you follow along Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. That was John, not Luke. I'm in John, not Luke. Let me switch back over here. All right. Luke chapter 18, verse 9 through 14. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me. I am a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. See, in this parable, we see several stark contrasts, don't we? I like how Reuben Welch says, um, he points one contrast out. He says, two men went to pray, but only one prayed to God. The other paraded his virtues to God. Another contrast we see is one who claims righteousness based on his own accomplishments and one who simply relies on the Lord's generosity. We see one man boast about his righteous standing and one who cannot even enter into the temple recognizing his deep need for mercy. We see one who perhaps hopes in himself, despising others, and the other who despises his own sin and hopes in the Lord. We see one who declares himself justified because of what he has done, and one who Jesus declares justified because of what God has already done. See, when we read these, when we read this text in the proper context, this story was shocking. This parable that Jesus shared was shocking. And if we aren't careful, modern readers can miss the impact of this parable that a first century reader would no doubt have picked up on. See, for a first century reader, it's shocking to see that a tax collector would receive approval over a Pharisee. Yet in this story, we see Jesus do what he often does, and that is flip things upside down. Perhaps we see this the most in that last verse. Those who humble themselves will be exalted, and those who exalt themselves will be humbled. But you and I, when we read this parable today, we are tempted to immediately go straight to that knowledge that we have that the Pharisees, a hypocrite, and, and we notice right away that this tax collector who would have been seen as wicked is immediately given that generous 
grace. And we want to be careful in our, in, our observe, in our observation of Scripture that we don't completely bash the Pharisees as we often do, because we're reminded that at one time their heart was in the right place. At one time they, they truly did believe, and perhaps even now, that they were doing the right thing, that they were pleasing God in how they were living and in what they said. But if we aren't careful, then we'll miss the message that is declared here. That much like this Pharisee in this story, you and I are in need of God's mercy and grace every single day. And we can start out as well-intentioned people who love God and who want to serve God wholeheartedly, but we fall into this dangerous trap, and that dangerous trap is somehow thinking that we have arrived. I've arrived. In the moment we don't think of ourselves as someone needing God's mercy and grace, we become a callous, stubborn, hard-hearted people who would ultimately rather die than be wrong. Refer back to Jonah. In each story that we've read tonight, we are reminded that self-righteousness is dangerous. Self-righteousness leads to pride, and it causes us to hate or despise those who we deem as unrighteous, and it prevents us from learning anything from God. And so participating in the practices of Lent is a means of remaining humble before God, recognizing our ongoing mercy or our ongoing need for his mercy and grace. And yet if we aren't careful, those practices can become something that we use once again to declare ourselves as righteous and justified because look what I'm doing, look what I'm giving up, look what I'm laying down in order to please God. Lent instead is a, is a time for self-denial and a declaration of our need for more of God. So the challenge for us is to remain humble and remain in this humble space that is open to God and what he's teaching us and how he's challenging us all while remembering what he's done for us. And so whatever it is that you choose to fast during this season, if you choose to do so, we should remember why we're doing it. Are we fasting because we're religious and that's what religious people do? Or are we fasting out of obligation because, well, my brothers and sisters in Christ are fasting, my spouse is fasting, my family's fasting, so I guess I ought to. Or are we fasting because of our overwhelming realization of our need for God and our need for a new work in our lives? Let me remind you tonight that your willingness to fast and participate should come from a heart of worship and in response to what God has already done and how he might be calling you to grow. Well, I've thrown a lot out there tonight. My hope is that, that you would now just sit in a space and respond, that you would just have some space to contemplate these things and respond. Respond to what God has done for you. Respond to what Jesus is calling you to. You see, you and I are on this journey. We have not arrived. We are on this journey, but we are on this journey together. And so 
I want to invite you to respond to this sacred invitation. How is God calling you to respond this evening? In just a moment, we're going to sing a beautiful song that I love, I Surrender All. And as you prepare your hearts to sing this song, I just want to invite you to pray with me. God, tonight we sit before you, Lord, with repentant hearts and contrite spirits. God, we long to be transformed. We long to be made new. I long to look less like me and more like Jesus. Lord, I'm reminded that I have failed at this many times, and in my own attempts, I'm going to continue to fail. Lord, tonight we recognize that it's only through your redeeming power that we can die to self and reflect the beauty of Christ. Lord, let us heed your call tonight and walk with Christ into the wilderness. Help us, God, to deny ourselves and seek new life in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would make us new. I pray that you would meet us in new ways. I pray that you would meet us in our moments of weakness. I pray that you would meet us in moments of surrender. God, as we enter into this sacred season of reflection and refocus, let us walk the way of the cross together and move forward knowing that you go before us and you walk beside us. Amen and amen. Jesus, I...
prayer for you tonight is that you would truly surrender all. When I think of surrendering all to Jesus, I just think of holding on to something that I so desperately want control over and just having to let that go and give that to him. So I don't know what it is that you might be holding on to tonight, but my prayer for you is that you would be able to let that go and surrender all to him. Surrender that, that desire for control. I think if we've learned anything over the past year is that there's nothing we can control. We, we can't control it. And we like to be in control, don't we? I pray that you would be able to surrender that, that fear that you might be holding on to. I pray that you would be able to surrender that stress that seems to be weighing you down and perhaps this season can be a time of renewal that your soul so desperately needs. I pray that you would be able to surrender any bitterness that you might have in your life towards someone. I pray that you would be able to surrender that sadness or that loneliness that you have felt over this past year and that you would allow Jesus some space to come in and fill those gaps that you so long to be filled. I pray that you wouldn't hold anything back from him tonight. Release it all. 
and let him fill you in new and powerful ways. So God, we just pray these things and we ask all of these things. Lord, I just pray that you would meet each and every person here tonight and and that's watching tonight. I pray that you would meet us right where we are. And I just pray, Lord, that you would continue to challenge us during this season to set aside whatever it is that's been filling up our, our lives, our schedules, our souls, and I pray that we can set that aside and fill ourselves with more of you. And God, I pray that when we do this, that when we try to meet you in new ways during this season, I pray, God, that you would just faithfully show up in new and powerful ways. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would pour your spirit upon us in new and powerful ways. I pray that we would continue on through this journey, even in the wilderness, and that we would see you do new and powerful things in our midst. I pray, Lord, that you would reignite our homes, reignite our families, reignite our classrooms, reignite our small groups, reignite our churches and our communities. I pray, God, that we would remove every distraction that begs for our time and our attention, everything that the enemy likes to use to keep us fixed and focused on all the wrong things. And I pray, God, that in our willingness to focus more on you and fill ourselves with more of you. God, I pray that you would do new and wonderful things in our midst. And so God, as we prepare tonight to gather at the communion table, Lord, I pray that we would sense you very present here with us, both in this building and with those who are watching from home, for we are one body connected by you, our Lord. Bless these elements and in this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And at this time, if there's anyone who has not received any elements, Greg is in the back. Does anyone need? I think we're good. Well, how appropriate is it for us to come to the table together this evening? The Lord himself ordained this holy sacrament, and he commanded his disciples to partake of the bread and wine, these emblems of his broken body and shed blood. And tonight we are reminded that this is his table, and this feast is for his disciples. Let all those who have with true repentance forsaken their sins and have believed for Christ unto salvation, let us draw near and take these emblems And by faith, partake the life of Jesus to our soul's comfort and joy. Let us remember once again tonight that this is the memorial of the death and passion of our Lord, but it's also a token of his coming again. And let us not forget that we are one at the table with the Lord tonight. Those of you watching from home, we are one with you tonight and we gather at this table with you. On the night that our Lord was betrayed, he took the bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to the disciples and said, this is my body which has been broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take, break, eat, and be thankful.
After supper, he took the cup. He gave thanks, and he gave it to them, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this in remembrance of me. Take, drink, and be thankful. Heavenly Father, we thank you for filling us spiritually tonight. We thank you for reminding us that we are members of your body. So now, God, send us out to do your work. Help us to love and serve you faithfully and help us to grow in new and wonderful ways during this sacred season. And to you be the glory forever and ever. Amen and amen. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, may you go in the grace and peace of our Lord. May you follow his outstretched hand and allow the words of his story to guide you through this season. May you pray for purity of heart and mind. Amen. You are dismissed. Mm -hmm.